hey, it's V Lee here. So today we are chatting with Steve Sorensen, a very daring real estate rookie who buys property remotely. So get ready to learn and be inspired. And maybe you'll be motivated enough to go out and buy a property or two by the end of this interview. So let's hear it for lesson learned from a rookie real estate investor. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by writing a review or sharing this episode with a friend. You are listening to the Real Estate Ballers Show. I'm your host, V Lee. This is the show where I interview upcomers, doers, and ballers of the real estate investing world. I want to bring you real life lessons and takeaways so that you can make smarter decisions about investing in real estate and accelerating your real estate businesses. The purpose is to help you to reach your financial freedom in real estate investing faster. So we got Steve here with us. Steve, uh, why don't you give the audience a quick introduction? Uh, I'm Steve Sorensen. I still uh, I work for uh, as an engineer for a renewable energy company, and I am in the process of uh, making the transition to real estate full time. I got uh, four properties currently. I have a triplex in Minnesota, which is where I'm from, that I bought on the FHA, and then I own my primary residence here in Denver now. And then I recently purchased two properties in the Houston area, which is how you and I met. So yeah, so I met you and you got a very interesting approach to what you do. Now you live in Colorado, right? But you buy property from all over places, all over the place. So tell us about that. How did that happen? And why did you choose that route? When I bought my first property, I was living in uh, North Dakota on wind farms and I was uh, pretty, I'd say overworked and just uh, trying to figure out a way that I could make some passive money for the long term because I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Um, and I have an engineering degree and I was kind of out in the field just kind of miserable and I saw a lot of people I knew um, that had, I guess, you know, different degrees that I didn't, um, I guess I, I was working a lot, uh, a lot harder than a lot of them I'll say and not, uh, not as happy as, as a lot of them were. So um, I was like, you know, what can I do? Make some passive income. I think I can, I think I can buy a property. And so um, I did, uh, and I knew, went to the market that I knew, you know, I, my parents were still there. I had some connections there and uh, uh, was able to find a property semi-remote. I was kind of close enough. I came back over um, during a break um, to check out the property and ended up working um that was three years ago as of like i think january 31st so i, I closed january 31st 2020 and uh it was technically my primary residence i was on the road a lot so ended up uh renting out one of the rooms within my unit in that triplex and then i got a new position within my company uh after that after i was all you know a year after that or so and uh wanted a house hack so i bought a bit i wanted to get out to denver just just wanted to be in the mountains. Um, and uh, uh, so I bought my primary residence, turned the basement into an apartment, um, which is where I am now. Um, and I rent out the upstairs two units, I Airbnb it for month long stays, um, which has been my most profitable property so far. And- uh, The one in Colorado. 
Yeah, yeah, I keep it booked pretty much all the time. It's it's month long rentals. It's families that do a great job of taking care of the place, and um, really have had minimal issues with it at really good prices. So, and then my uh, and there, there's a whole long story with my triplex that was uh, cost me a lot of money during COVID. About a, I mean, if you remember when COVID hit, it was about a month before that that I closed. So, had a whole set of issues there. But since then, that one started to um, be pretty profitable now too. But and then um, I knew I was gonna, I didn't wanna keep investing in the Denver area because my capital wasn't gonna be enough to get me anything decent because it's such an overpriced market. Um, so I started looking around, did some market research analysis and one thing led to another as far as having some connections in Houston. Houston looked like a good market. Ended up in the Texas City area doing um, the burst strategy on, on two houses and one of them I'm operating as an Airbnb and then the other one I'm operating as a long-term rental. So you live in Colorado, but you were brave enough to buy property in Texas. Did you ever come and see these property before you closed on them? Uh, no, I didn't. They were relatively cheap. I got them each at about $100,000 from uh, um, a wholesaler. So they mm -hmm. were obviously going to need work. I made some connections with contractors down there. Again, I hadn't met them, but I went ahead and you know vetted them out as best I could. And then uh, just went ahead and took the risk, but I had them go down and look at the properties, send me photos, and I, my my agent also did the the, uh, the wholesaler also uh, gave me some reviews and all that. So I had the you know two sets of eyes on it, came up with a budget, ran the numbers, and uh, at that point just kind of took a little bit of a leap of faith and um, definitely learned some lessons. You know, wasn't <laughs> it was far from perfect, that's for sure, um, but I think we're. And this was just this last year, so we're I'm still getting kind of into the operation phase so still learning a lot and still uh, getting things figured out but we're kind of getting to the point where things are moving uh moving along by themselves well you're a lot braver than i am i bought over 250 houses and i tell you i probably did not see a handful of them only <laughs> so yeah and i mean in an ideal world i would but you know i'm still working my w2 and it's either do nothing you know don't see them and do nothing or take a risk and don't see them <laughs> also you know but <laughs> No. So you said you you realized you made some mistakes. Share that so that people can learn from your mistake as well. Yeah. So one big one that I just came just came up last week, and uh, you had I was listening to your last episode with um, Steve. I forget his last name, but he was talking about due diligence. Yeah. Some definitely some good uh, um, good lessons there. The one that came up was the uh, air conditioning unit. I had uh, not put enough attention to the uh, um, the air conditioner. Mm -hmm. um, system, the AC unit, and uh, come to find out, needed a full replacement. Um, and the thing was completely shot. All the wiring went uh, uh, was bad, and uh, so that was about a fourteen thousand dollar bill that I needed to get done in you know a couple days because I had a renter in there. So definitely going to be at the top of my list going forward as far as <laughs> as due diligence. You know, something that my contractor didn't uh, didn't look at when he was on site, unfortunately, and so you know that's a big cost to build into my rehab budget i think buying remotely sounds like a really wonderful idea right but to me the challenge is still like how can you see like you can't see if a house needs foundation repair from picture unless it's really crooked right <laughs> otherwise you can't see and then you can't see a lot of things unless you know specifically to go look for those things right yeah i agree i mean i think a lot of it's building relationships you know i 
the contractor that went uh, the first time was not the contractor that finished the job. You know, he quit on me about halfway through, and uh, you know, he he connected me with somebody else. It wasn't uh, wasn't a complete disaster, but you know, going forward, I'll have a relationship with this contractor now that I think is going to go a lot better. So, um, yeah, agreed. I agreed. You know, coming up with a nice checklist going forward for my contractor. Say, hey, these are things we need to check. And then eventually when I quit my W-2, which, you know, is hopefully sooner rather than later, and I get into this full time, I'll have the flexibility to go check places out on my uh, myself before I buy them. Um, in the meantime, my strategy, right or wrong, is, uh, is going to have to be um, go sight unseen and just rely on the relationships I build with people in these places. You own, what, four so four different locations, right? Correct, yep. And two of them you've seen before you buy, and two, the two down here in Texas that you didn't see. Correct. Did you do good on them? Um, so the first one, uh, yes. The first one is the one that's um, Airbnb, and uh, that one's pretty steady. And, and I'll say they both have gone pretty well. Um, the rehab on the second one was about double the budget that my contractor gave me, and there really was no, <laughs> wasn't really any good reason for it. There wasn't anything specifically unseen that couldn't have been identified during his walkthrough, so it was really just a bad number um, that he gave me. That being said, you know, with the burr, the idea is to get all of my cash back out at the end. And so I think I left about $15,000 in there. Um, so, you know, I would have preferred to have that back in my pocket, but at the end of the day, getting a, a property for $15,000, that's uh, um, gonna make me money in the long run is an okay investment, right? So just for the audience, Burr is uh, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, right? Yep, Did I repeat. get the order right? Okay. The young people nowadays, they get creative with all these uh, terminologies. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> They're trying to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, you can't, in my opinion, you can't go wrong with real estate if you keep holding, right? And different people say it different way. Rent your way out of trouble. Or if you end up paying too much for a property, you just rent it out and have your tenants to pay down your mortgage. And eventually you'll, you'll, you'll be whole again, mm -hmm. right? So if you were to look back on these two properties that you bought remotely and the process of all of it, what would you have done differently? This episode is brought to you by Buzz Vacation Rentals, a premier property management company in Houston and Galveston. Give Buzz a call today if you need help in managing your short-term and vacation rental properties at 281-549-8432 or visit their website at pm.buzzvacationrentals.com. Now back to the real estate baller show. Um, so I would have, um, I probably would have identified better properties. Um, that being said, I wanted to go to kind of a low risk, uh, price range. And like I said, a hundred thousand dollars, I couldn't get myself in too much trouble. I had the capital to, uh, you know, to cover anything aside from a complete disaster, but I think I rushed it a little bit. So I think taking my time, um, being a little bit more picky on properties, uh, would definitely be the uh, uh, the first thing. And then refining a list, basically, like I said, for my contractor to look at, say how much, you know, check these things out, instead of just saying, I think I relied on his expertise a little bit too much, but he's not an investor. He doesn't, you know, he's not holding the checkbook. So although I think he gave me what he thought was an honest number, I don't think it was as thorough as probably should have been. Um, and so I think really, you know, defining what he should be looking for 
and, and putting that into like a checklist form would be the next one. So he 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 walked through, but he was missing things. Yep. Not that he not that he inflate things. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, at least you have that working for you, right? He didn't inflate things and add things. Right. Yeah. And I don't. He was. I think he was an honest guy and all that. I don't. Uh, don't question any of that. But he was just like you said. He missed things. He didn't look for uh, in all the nooks and crannies that uh, he should have. And you know the budget just kind of kept going up. <laughs> You're luckier than than some other investor who got contractor that inflate the price and miss things and don't do the work right, right? Agreed. It could have been worse. Yes. Okay. So even all of that happened, how long did it take you to manage the projects from the time you bought the property until the time you put a tenant in it? Let's see. I bought in, I think, February last year. So it was about four, four to six. I think the second one was about six months by the time I got a, a long-term renter in there. And that was that was the second property where the budget went way over. And there was a lot of a lot of add-ons that kept kind of, again, taking, taking time, taking up uh, money. The first one was Uh, quite a bit quicker. That was probably closer to four months. Being far away, how were you able to do quality control on these projects? Um, so I did go down during the rehabs um, a couple of times because uh, that's a little bit more flexible. I can do it on my my schedule a little bit more than in the middle of a bid process. Um, and then I just basically made sure that he was sending me pictures at the end of every week, um, thorough pictures of all the work that he had done and kind of itemize what Uh, what things he had done and then yeah um, those trips down trying to do the best I could from from that perspective and um, it worked pretty well um, there's can't really think of anything that was true just quality uh, mistakes there's a few things that were missed which I guess would kind of qualify as quality but more, mostly just things that were semi unforeseen that have popped up since and you know some more cost but I mean I I think that's fairly typical also when you when you rehab something uh, a few things are going to come up here and there and you just kind of nip them in the butt as they as they come up yes yes that's the thing with buying a fixer upper right you never know mm -hmm. yeah exactly i mean unless unless you scrape it and start over you're, you're putting band-aids over a couple of things whether you're <laughs> whether you want to or not and some things are just gonna pop up after after the fact so just dealing with it as they come up because i know like i said you know a lot of things could be missed through pictures and videos you know it's nothing beats seeing things with your own eyes right did you have any rehab or real estate experience prior to buying these properties no none really i mean <laughs> my background in general i think kind of lent itself to um being semi-prepared but um i mean it's still the basics obviously everybody you know there's a lot that i'm still learning i mean a ton that i'm still learning uh but the basics of getting things done is uh not rocket science and i mean i've worked in plenty of construction fields um i've worked on the commercial side of um engineering companies manufacturing companies things like that and then we were kind of uh, a do-it-ourselves type family so i had uh you know turned a lot of wrenches pumped a lot of nails in my uh at my parents house things like that which you know doesn't make me an expert but i've been exposed to a lot of it so um that all together i was figured you know it's enough to get started and then you know as long as you can build relationships with people i mean i'm not going back to my triplex in minnesota and fixing fixing anything you know i have i have people that do that for me i have a, a handyman and a property manager there that manage all that stuff so i'm just putting the right pieces in place and uh knowing how to manage all that stuff budgets uh contracts people all that stuff is 
really the most important part. Well, that's awesome. You know, sounds like you didn't have the best experience, but you didn't have the worst experience either. But that still didn't chase you away from real estate. Didn't you tell me you you were going to make a big life decision? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss another show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the first point it is not chasing me away. I'm actively pursuing more properties. And I was listening to uh, a, an article the other day that uh, was saying, you know, it'd be silly to quit after you paid the tuition. You know, this is this is me paying my tuition, kind of paying the basics, uh, learning the basics here, making making some mistakes. And if I, you know, if I gave it up now, then that money would uh, really be wasted. So, Um, so yes, I'm actively pursuing, uh, leaving my W-2 as soon as I can and I'm have somewhat replaced my income. My plan is to basically think I'm going to get one more property here before I, before I leave and then take on handyman work as supplemental income so that I can go about 50-50 on probably handyman work and pursuing real estate. And then I'll have a lot more flexibility to really spend time pursuing real estate, which, you know, right now I'm at that stage where I'm trying to leave and I'm, I'm working my 40, 50, 60 hours at my W-2 and then in the evenings and weekends, um, chasing my next property, um, working on my existing properties, all that type of stuff. So long days right now, um, which, you know, is fine. It's part of the deal, but, uh, hoping to make that transition here soon where I, I can put more of my more of my energy into pursuing just the real estate side. Well, I want to uh, congratulate you, see, for making that that decision to get into real estate because I think there's nothing that beat real estate, you know, out there. The upside of what we get for owning properties and holding rentals. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's very exciting. It's the most exciting parts of my day when I make some make some progress and I can see light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, it's it's cool owning my own my own things. I, like I said, I kind of come from a, a blue collar family that, you know, you just go to your W2, your, your nine to five and you come home and they pay you what you pay you and that's it. And so, uh, for me, it's pretty exciting to be able to have control over that. And, you know, again, I'm in the early phases and hopefully have a, I mean, I have a long way to go, but, um, it's, it's exciting kind of being in the middle of it. That's for sure. So as you're making these transitions, what kind of challenges make you lose sleep at night or, you know, worry you? So I guess none of it really worries me too much. I'm pretty, I mean, I'm pretty analytical in general. And I put, I mean, I have spreadsheets and I have budgets I and all that. To that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's the, you know, the engineering background type thing, but like with my first property it was, um, that was the biggest risk I had taken, but I was really comfortable with it because I I had done my research. I put it all on paper. I said, you know, worst case, if this doesn't pan out, I can sell it and I'll lose this amount of money and that will suck, but I will, you know, I'll still be afloat. And I'm kind of looking at it the same way here. Um, I have my budgets. Um, there's definitely unknowns, but mitigate those as much as I can, you know, with the handyman type stuff and, um, putting away the right, right reserves. So, I guess things that I'm accounting for, like insurance, you know, not lack of benefits from my company that, you know, aren't, don't show up um, in my year end statement, but I'll have to start paying for, you know, now by myself. And so one of the things that I, I actually just closed on it Wednesday, um, which is two days ago, and uh, I closed on my HELOC on my house here in Denver. So that'll be, you know, my emergency funds slash, you know, investment funds 
uh, on top of, you know, putting some cash aside also. And then I'm looking into getting a HELOC on my triplex also before I leave my W-2. And again, be before I leave my W-2 because they're looking at that. Um, so trying to put all the, dot the T or <laughs> cross the T's and dot the I's before I leave my W-2 because, you know, lenders look at that quite a bit, you know, once it's gone. You sound like you're really making good plans and that's really awesome. I'm trying to, I'm hoping I'm not missing anything major, but uh, trying to do my, my due diligence so that that transition isn't so stressful and scary, you know. Yeah, and I believe that you have another venue for fun as well. If you've been with your W-2 for a while, you should, uh, you may have a sizable retirement plan with them and you could roll that into a self-directed IRA and use that to buy real estate. Sure, yeah. So that's an option that you may be worth looking in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What plans do you have when you become a full-time real estate investor? So, I mean, I have my, you know, 10-year plans, which are a lot more grand in scale than, uh, you know, the next year or so. But I want, I mean, I want to buy, I think probably three or four properties this year. So like I said, I want to buy, I'd like to buy one more property here with my W-2, probably on a conventional loan, partnering with um, a friend of mine as a primary residence so we can get, uh, take advantage of a lower interest rate and a uh, lower down payment. And then after that, um, after I leave my W-2, then um, I will probably either pursue seller financing projects or Burr projects. I should say pursue both. <laughs> it's not necessarily an or, I'll probably do uh, seller finance projects and uh, and Burr projects. But I want to, uh, I want to own, I want to own buy and hold rentals. Do you identify a market that you're going to go to or you think you're just going to buy anywhere again? No, I've definitely narrowed it down. I mean, Houston, Houston was kind of my jump. That was, I know, you know, I had the I had the Minnesota place. I won't go back to Minnesota because of the, the COVID stuff and uh, it's a blue state. Um, and that kind of proved to really bite me in the butt. Um, so lesson learned there. And then Denver, I think, is just too expensive. And it's, I mean, it, it's probably stable, but I think buying in now, I've kind of missed the missed the boat on that. Um, and so I think Houston's a really good, really good next spot. Uh, and that's kind of, I mean, I bought two properties there. I'm probably going to continue buying there. I've also considered San Antonio as a uh, as another spot. So those, are, it's going to it's going to be Houston or San Antonio for now, and then you know down the road, of course, probably spread it out, but. Well, the opportunity definitely, definitely is here in Houston, because as you, one of the people keep moving here, we still got to have a need for real estate, right? Mm hmm. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And I mean, yep. that was part of my analysis was all the, I, I found a, um, a really good uh, tool for quantifying. And again, you know, I, I like to quantify things, uh, quantifying different markets. And uh, Houston was right towards the top of the list as far as growth, you know, job growth, all those types of things. So that's why I say to people, I love to live here and invest here because opportunity like you can buy. There's a lot of opportunity here and the cost of living here is fairly reasonable and uh, you can uh, save and travel elsewhere. Mm hmm. Absolutely. All right. So as we are wrapping up, what is uh, something that people might be surprised to learn about you? I played hockey through college and I took two years off after high school. So between high school and college um, to go play junior hockey up by Winnipeg in Canada. So you might be able to tell from the hair I've grown out <laughs> recently, but um, yeah, that's uh, might surprise a few people. Didn't know if you join a rock band or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I started working remote and I really haven't cut it since. I, it's probably about time, but I was short hair and hair gel for 
several years, so I'm enjoying yeah. a little bit of freedom working remote. I, I tell you, it's working remote really changed people, right? All right. So last question. How does the audience get in touch with you? Um, so I'm not really on social media with uh, any of my real estate stuff, but I, my LinkedIn is still set up for my job, but you can certainly reach me there. It's uh, Steve Sorensen. Um, it's S-E-N at the end. <laughs> it always throws people off. People think it's S-O-N. Um, or my email is uh, sms.investmentteam uh, at gmail.com. Um, that's S M as in Michael. Um, yeah, those are probably the two best ways. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in today. Go ahead and head over to Facebook and join our Facebook group, RE Ballers, for further discussion of this episode. And wherever you are listening to your podcast, please subscribe to the Real Estate Ballers so you never miss another show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we appreciate a five-star rating, a written review, or if you simply share it with a friend.